Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester, joined as always by Mike Tagliere. If you don't already, please follow us on Twitter. We're at Bobby Fantasy Pro and at Mike Tagliere NFL. Tags, what's going on, buddy? Oh, it's a good day. I was waiting. I didn't tell you until now that I'm going to brag to you that uh, I, I did. A, I started a best ball league. I don't know. It was like two days ago, I think. My first three rounds were Saquon Barkley, Todd Gurley, and Mike Evans. It was awesome. Ooh, that's pretty nice, man. That's a 12 man, by the way. I think everyone else was sleeping in that draft. By the way, if you guys want to start playing best ball, we've got a promo for you later in the show that I'll share with you. Today's a good day for me, too. I mentioned last show that my dad retired from the Air Force after 33 years. Well, he moved across the country to where I live here in St. Louis, and he just arrived literally five minutes before the show came by and said hi. So I'm really pumped for that. That's awesome, man. Get the parents close to you. That That's that's pretty sweet to have. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped. So, I, guys, I tried to get Tags to do a mock draft episode today, but he was really scared of losing his third or fourth straight mock to me. I don't know how many times it's been anymore. I can't keep track. So instead, here's the plan for today's show, okay? And I'm actually really excited about this. There's a lot of new listeners this time of the year, so we're going to try to catch everyone up and refresh everyone who's been here for a long time on the players where Tags and I most differ from ECR. ECR, if you don't know, is our expert consensus rankings. You can find that at fantasypros.com slash rankings. And so it takes 100 experts across the industry, guys who do this for a living, and it shoots out their rankings all as one cohesive unit. Um, and so Tags and I differ on some of these players. These are the ones we're most passionate about. Some were a lot higher than ECR on, some were a lot lower on ECR than this is our primary target and avoid advice for your upcoming drafts. Uh, so we're going to go through three for each of the four primary positions. Then at the end of the show, we have a new fun segment called Fantasy Fill-in-the-Blank. So we asked our listeners and Twitter followers to give us statements that Tags and I get to fill in the blank for on the podcast. For example, one of them we're going to be answering Tags. Melvin Gordon is going to miss blank games this season. So we'll answer that. And by the way, I was just talking about our mock draft episode. When we record those, we use our draft simulation software, which to be honest is what first brought me to the Fantasy Pros site years ago. I always wanted something like this to exist so bad so I could, you know, blitz through some serious, realistic, and customizable mocks. It takes about five minutes to do if you really know what you're doing. You can customize your league roster settings scoring settings, edit draft order with traded picks, keepers. You can do auction drafts, dynasty drafts, rookie-only drafts, import your own personal rankings. Then tags, when you get into the draft, it gives you a different look every time. I love it. That way you're prepared for every scenario, right? It does, and that's the difference between, you know, waiting in a room and, ha- and drafting with a bunch of people and, and, you know, waiting for someone to essentially screw it up or take too long, and those just take hours to do. So, like, the, the, the downfall of a lot of simulators is the fact that you're doing the same draft every single time, and the draft wizard, you're not. Yep, you're right. And we've got tools built in that lend advice onto who you should take, when players might be drafted. That way you're practiced and ready for your real draft when the time comes. You can all do this on fantasypros.com slash simulator. And of course, some of these features are for premium users. All right, Tag. So we did this, uh, this little series here on our Twitter at Fantasy Pros and Tags and I, by the way, are at Bobby Fantasy Pro and at Mike Teglier NFL. And it's called Team Bobby Face Team Tags. We did three players where our rankings differ here a little bit. And, uh, these are the results tags if you want to hear them. So Jared Goff, you've got it QB7. I've got him at QB15 and we asked our followers, who do they most agree with? I won this one, baby. 57 to 43%. Why do you like Goff as QB7 tags? Well, it's, it's pretty simple to me, actually. And it, it, it comes down to the team scoring aspect of things where it's like Jared Goff has obviously been a top 12 quarterback multiple times, knowing that we have a, a Todd Gurley. I don't want to say injury because I don't think, I don't even want to classify it as that. But, you know, when you talk about the top 12 quarterbacks that, that, you know, finish there every single year, over the last seven years, 75% of top 12 quarterbacks come from top 12 offenses. 
that's we know that Jared Goff's offense is going to be there. We know that Sean McVay, they put points on the board. It's just very unlikely to me that Jared Goff isn't going to be there. I, I mean, I know he doesn't offer any rushing upside, but having faith in that offense, knowing that they're probably going to use the receivers a little bit more this year, maybe even the tight ends uh, or Daryl Henderson in the passing game, whatever the case may be. Jared Goff is just, he's a proven commodity. And I just, I feel last year he was overlooked too. And I think people were regretting that. Yeah, well, he was overlooked because his touchdown rate was so high. He didn't throw a lot of passes. And then last year he did throw a lot of passes. Now here's what I'm worried about. The reason I've got him so low is his final seven games, seven touchdowns, eight interceptions. Uh, I don't know if defense has figured him out or if it was just he didn't have Cooper Cup and so he wasn't as good. Maybe Todd Gurley, you know, being hurt or whatever it was that was going on with him uh, made all the difference. I'm not sure what's going to happen this year, but I'm just a little bit concerned that he's not that guy anymore. That's why I've got him lower. And frankly, the difference between QB7 and QB15, what is it? 15 projected points. Yeah, that's basically what it comes down to is the fact that like, is who do I feel safest is because like you start looking at the rankings and you start going through that and you're like, I mean, I I think there's concerns about a lot of those guys. I mean, I don't think we can say with certainty that Carson Wentz is going to return to the player that he always was. And it's like, let's be real. He had one season. What was it, 11 games, 12 games where he was really good. And who's to say that people don't figure out Doug Peterson's offense, you know, Cam Newton coming off the shoulder injury, uh, Kyler Murray. I know people are excited about him, but I mean, let's be real. We've never seen him on an NFL field. We've never seen Cliff Kingsbury's offense. Russell Wilson dialing back the pass attempts Drew Brees obviously that's you know closer to 500 pass attempts than 600 so you know when you get into that tier it's like to me if you're going to draft a quarterback in that range I feel safest about Goff just because I have faith in Sean McVay and that offense and yes Jared Goff the reason I think he's falling further than you know he than he should is because of the way he performed at the end of the season but we have to keep in mind you know that obviously um he had some tough games in that stretch and losing Todd Gurley I think put a kink in everything because CJ Anderson can't do the things that Todd Gurley can do now here's the next one and this one just shocked me to death like I thought for sure I was going to win this one Keenan Allen half PPR I've got him at wide receiver 14 You've got him at wide receiver nine. Now you won this one 57 to 43, same results as the last time except flipped. And I don't really understand. I mean, Keenan Allen played a full season last year and guess what he was? Wide receiver 14. He's got a full season of Mike Evans. He's got Hunter Henry back. Philip Rivers is getting older. Why do you think Keenan Allen's going to get better? I feel like he's one of the safest players to draft in that spot. I don't think that he comes with like top three upside just because like, as you mentioned, there are some other options on that team. But when, but again, when we come back to talking about guys like T.Y. Hilton that are a little bit more boomer bust, I don't think T.Y. Hilton comes with top five upside either. Uh, Amari Cooper does, but he's a little bit more inconsistent. You know, it's like when you're torn between two players like a Keenan Allen and Amari Cooper, I'll tend to lean on the one with the better offense or the better quarterback and you know Philip Rivers is that guy I am I'm a little concerned about Mike Evans and the fact that you know Chris Godwin's emergence OJ Howard if he stays healthy I, I feel like that team is going to dial back the pass attempts as much as they can uh, obviously the defense is you know not going to help matters but I just feel like Keenan Allen's safest and that's where those rankings come into play where it's like I un- I'm not going to sit here and tell people they're wrong for selecting, you know, Mike Evans over Keenan Allen or Amari Cooper over Keenan Allen. It just comes down to safety for me. I just feel like he's one of the safest picks when you get to that range. And the reason I don't have much Keenan Allen, to be fair, is because he's going in that third round where I'm getting a lot of running backs. I think he's really safe, too, and I can understand that argument. I really didn't like the argument that some people are saying he's injury prone. Guys, he's played 32 straight games. I know he missed uh, two years. They were kind of fluky injuries, though, so I think he is safe. I think he's going to be durable again this year. I just don't really love his upside, so uh, there's a couple guys that I do like more. Now, the final one, this is the tiebreaker tags. Dalvin Cook. I've got him up at RB8. Tags, you had him at RB13, and you barely edged me out. 52 to 48%. 
Um, now, are you concerned that they're going to use him the same way they did last year? Because I would argue that was just because he was coming off the ACL. Yeah, I mean, I really don't know. I mean, drafting Alexander Madison in the third round was kind of head scratching. I didn't think that that was going to be something they were going to do, but I have been slowly moving Dalvin Cook up my board because yeah, baby. there's other players that I'm moving down and that's basically what it comes down to. It's like, you know, you talk about Joe Mixon. I have moved Dalvin Cook ahead of Joe Mixon right now. Mixon was someone I was high on last year, but there's so many question marks with that team. I just don't love it. And I, I know that the Vikings offense should be better than the Bengals. Um, so I'm, I'm slowly coming around to the Dalvin Cook thing, but I'm still not on board that he's like a locked in top 10 running back. I would still rather have someone like a like a Nick Chubb you know I I uh, have Nick Chubb right behind him I just think there's a little bit more potential with Dalvin Cook because and he catches the ball so well he's I mean he's played 15 games in his career and he didn't hasn't even really played that much and he has 51 receptions in that time I think he could be one of these guys 60 70 receptions this year and plus I look at what he did his first three games when he carried the ball 61 times in three games then he got hurt and then at the end of last season, he was right back to it, touching the ball almost 20 times a game. I think that's who he's going to be this year. So I'm a big fan of Dalvin Cook. I've moved Cook up to RB10. I just looked at it. And the reason I have him at 10 is I thought it was 11, but I have him at 10 because Melvin Gordon, I put it 11 now with all these question marks. I'm slowly moving him down. Uh, but my question to you, Bobby, is this. I, I've been going through some numbers uh, for the boom bust and everything in between series that'll be next week. Um, and Dalvin Cook... Why are people like so quick to jump on Fournette about injuries, but they're not about Dalvin Cook? Because both of them have really been injury plagued since they came into the league. So what's the what's the real difference between these two outside of the fact that they their cost it's it's becoming a bigger separation because Leonard Fournette's ADP has fallen to RB fifteen or RB sixteen off the board. I just don't. I mean, Fournette's been better so far. When both of them been on the field, Fournette's been better. I do think the Vikings' offense is going to be better than the Jags, which that you, you have that going for you, but. But Fournette has shown the ability to do it, whereas like Cook, where it's like, we know he has the ability, it's just putting it all together. I think Cook might be the more talented running back. He's as elusive as they get, man. I mean, they, he's so hard to tackle. Leonard Fournette's really talented because he's big and he's fast. But I think most people are upset with Fournette because it's like, oh, he's going to play this week. Wait, he has a boom boom on his foot. He's not going to play. What's the deal? Whereas Dalvin Cook, it was like, okay, he's not going to play. We already know that. And they just got so disappointed that they drafted Fournette, think he was going to be fine. We knew what we had with Dalvin Cook. Someone recovering from an ACL, wasn't quite ready. Let's see when he gets up to speed. It might not be till the final four weeks of the season. And that's what, that's what the case was. So I think everyone else thinks, oh, I'm going to de- draft Leonard Fournette and then I'll never know when I can use him. And, you know, maybe Dalvin Cook will get hurt again, but if he's not healthy, at least I'll know. Yeah. I don't like to bet on injuries. I tell people you're going to lose that battle every Every single day of the week. So, I mean, I like, I would take Dalvin Cook. I'll I'll bet against someone who's already hurt. Right. But I won't bet on someone who's healthy getting hurt. Correct. Yeah. Yes. That's actually a really good point. And this is why everyone missed out on Keenan Allen two years ago when he was the wide receiver three. Yep. He was going into the season healthy. You don't ever, again, you don't ever want to predict an injury. I I, I hate when people try and do that because you're going to lose that game every time. So guys, I mentioned we're going to be comparing our rankings to ECR and talking about some of these players that we're especially high on compared to the the rest of the analysts in the industry and players we're low on. We're going to go position by position starting at running back. If you want to follow along here, you can go to fantasypros.com slash rankings. It's really easy to find. You can sort it by whatever your league settings are, half PPR, standard, full PPR, what have you, and uh, and follow along with us to see what ECR is, ADP is. And I'm going to start us off tags with Todd Gurley. He's the player that I've got above ECR quite a bit. People are drafting him at the uh, early second round. I'm taking him sixth off the board overall right now if I have to. Um, Tags, if you take away 25% of his fantasy points last year, he still would have been RB5. Even despite missing two games and getting just 23 carries in the final two games combined. So really, he missed three games is pretty much what it is. Take away 25% in 2017, 
RB4 again. So essentially, he needs 236 touches. And he, and even with that, he exceeds my RB6 ranking. Peyton Barber had 20 more touches than that last year. I think Gurley's going to be fine, man. I like Gurley too. I feel like it's a bit overblown and I think people are going to realize that at the start of the year and people are going to be wondering, you know, why didn't I grab Todd Gurley when I could? Because, you know, we talk about being injured going into the season. I, I don't think Todd Gurley's injured. I think this is something like, if you want to, I know that's going to happen. People after they hear this episode, they're going to be like, oh, Todd Gurley has arthritis in his knee. Haven't you heard? Todd Gurley had arthritis in his knee the moment they cut it open for his first torn ACL. So don't give me that argument. It's really not it. There was something going on at the end of the year um, that he obviously wasn't right. But, you know, the Rams, I think that they grabbed Daryl Henderson as an insurance, basically saying if something happens to Gurley again, we don't want to have to rely on finding another C.J. Anderson because that's just not like Damian Harris. It's not like everyone's expecting, oh, Sony Michelle's not going to play. They're just like, he's the backup. Exactly. Yes. They're valuable handcuffs is what they are. And Todd Gurley, I mean, if you really are that concerned about Gurley, grab him, you know, at the at the beginning of the second round, which is where he's going, and then draft Daryl Henderson if that's really what you're that concerned about. But I don't think you need to. I think you're going to be fine with Gurley. And again, we're going to know soon in the preseason. Either Todd Gurley's going to be playing in the preseason and look fine, and he's going to be a top three running back off the board, or he's not playing. And, and sure, then we can panic. But if I'm drafting right now, I'm taking the guy who I think has the most upside of any fantasy player. I don't know if he's going to play in preseason just because it's like a running back doesn't necessarily need to and put that mileage on him. They've talked about managing his workload so that he's better late in the season. Um, so it could have been the fact that they were just riding Gurley too hard. It, and that's very possible because he had tons of touches. But even if he doesn't play in the preseason, as long as they're telling us that he's playing, he's starting, it's just we're get, we're keeping him healthy. I'm still drafting him ahead of someone like Le'Veon Bell because I would give me the upside of Gurley over the high floor, low ceiling of Le'Veon Bell. Okay, so who's the running back that you're a little bit high on tags? I have a, I have a few of them and mine, mine are a little bit lower down the board than yours. Like I, I wanted to find guys that I was at least five, six spots off on, you know, con- from consensus. And James White is number one on that list. Uh, he's, I almost used him too. That's funny. Yeah. I have him at number 20, uh, and half PPR versus ECR at 26. His ECR is at 26. Yeah. 26 and half PPR. I hadn't realized that because I'm looking at his ADP right. Oh, I guess his ADP is coming up too. I guess all the talk and we're doing is helping a little bit. They're starting to, yeah. James White, his ADP that I see right now is 28, uh, the 28th running back in half PPR formats. And that is way too low. Again, we, we've talked about this and the fact that Rob Gronkowski, when he's missed time, that's, that's James White's time to shine. And like we saw the, the, the demise of Rob Gronkowski last year and, you know, he wasn't the same player, whatever. It's no coincidence that James White went from like five targets per game the, the two years prior into over 7.1 or 7.2 targets per game this year. On top of Gronk, they lost Chris Hogan. They lost Corderell Patterson. Yes, they did. If there's one area of the field that's going to benefit from Tom Brady aging, it's those short little dump off passes. And again, every single year, people tell me you can't trust Patriots running back. Well, I did last year and I had James White and it really worked out. I have no issue if you want to grab James White and Rex Burkhead this year in drafts. And I think Rex Burkhead, personally, he's someone that's going to have a lot more value than people think. I think he's going to be involved in the passing game. I think they're going to line him up in the slot, use him on the goal line sometimes, because he actually was pretty good in that role before he was hurt in 2018. So James White is uh, as a guy, if you have used your RB2, you should not be mad about that. You're able to get him in the fifth round in almost every single draft. I'm doing that every time. Tags, James White had more receptions last year than Mike Evans. Yep. That's amazing, man. And he was consistent pretty much game to game as well. I don't understand why he's going so late. I'm with you on James White. Yeah, Bobby, I'm going to throw out a stat on James White is that, you know, like people talk to me about the consistency thing. Like, oh, James White probably had a few big weeks and that's why he finished as a top eight fantasy running back. No, 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 no. There were four running backs 
four all of last year. That's it. Four running backs that finished with more RB2 or better performances than James White. It was uh Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, and Alvin Kamara. That's it. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's it. Like So those guys are going in the first round. James White in the fifth round, it just seems They're going stupid. in the first four picks. Holy cow, man. That's a great stat. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying is just like for people that tell me they don't want to draft Patriots running backs, that's essentially you telling me you don't want to win a fantasy championship. I like it, dude. I like that. So, Tex, we've been talking about pristine auction quite a bit, and uh, I was surfing it yesterday, and I finally found it. My player that got me hyped about football was Eric Crouch back in the day when he played for my Nebraska Cornhuskers, and he was the man. He was the original Kyler Murray, right? He was stupid fast. He ended up being a safety in, in college football because he was big and strong, too. If you want to watch a college highlight film that's going to make you say wow and even laugh a little bit, just go back and look at Eric Crouch. He was unbelievable. And so I got myself a signed Eric Crouch Nebraska Cornhuskers helmet. There are all kinds of great finds like that on players you would never think that you could find to add to your cave. There's hundreds, sometimes even thousands of items to bid on every day, and everything's guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources. You're definitely going to find some great values there. And when you sign up, it's free to sign up until you win a bid. And you can get $5 off if you use the registration code FANTASYPROS, that's all one word, at pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. And we're also doing a giveaway. We're giving away a signed George Kittle 49ers helmet at fantasypros.com slash contest. Uh, so make sure to check that out again at fantasypros.com slash contest. All right, Tag, so uh, here's a player that I'm a lot lower on than ECR. And, you know, you say you're six, seven spots lower than James White, and I do like to do that, but I think of it more in terms of VBD, projected VBD by draft position. And so, like, if I have Todd Gurley three spots higher at RB, that's expecting, you know, 30, 40 spots higher in VBD than everyone else is projecting. And so it's the same thing here with Joe Mixon. ECR has him at eight. That's an end of the first round pick. I've got him at RB 13, which is a late second round pick. Uh, I mean, I think he's plenty talented. He could even be a three down workhorse superstar in an offense like Pittsburgh, Indy, LA, Dallas. But he doesn't play for those teams. He plays behind a bottom three offensive line with a bottom five quarterback whose number one wide receiver is already hurt. The box is going to be stacked all the time. And let's not forget, even the most talented running backs can be dreadful in a bad situation. Gurley was the single most inefficient fantasy back in 2016 with just 3.2 yards per carry and six touchdowns on 321 touches. So I think someone like Mixon in this offense isn't really going to do that much. Now, his floor is nice and high because he's going to get the volume, but I don't see much of a ceiling in an offense like this. Yeah, he had, I mean, he averaged 20 touches per game last year. That's that's pretty high. And so the stat I have on him is that he was an RB2 or better just 57% of the time. That's not something you want to use as the seventh running back off the board, which is where that's his current ECR. That's too high. Um, I actually, I'm right, I'm right there with you. He was actually number one on my list. Uh, I have him down as the RB14 right now. I don't even feel great about it. Like, I, I'm going to be honest. You know, they lost two starting offensive linemen over the last month. AJ Green is now dealing with this foot issue and we know AJ Green's going to miss at least two games. That's happening. It's possible that he's placed in the pup list if he doesn't, if he's not responding well to this, you know, his advanced age. So yeah, I, I'm with you. They drafted two running backs. Giovanni Bernard is still on the roster, going to get some work. We don't know much about Zach Taylor's offense. I do happen to believe that he's probably a good offensive coach. I actually believe that he's going to walk in and do some good things. Well, better than what they had, probably. But I don't think that he's turning this team into a top 12 scoring offense with the talent they have on the roster right now, especially with that offensive line. So Joe Mixon is someone that as a high end RB2, it's like, OK, I'll take him there. But I'm not even excited about that. 
You know, I had him at RB13, but the more I'm thinking about it as we're talking here, Tags, I had him in front of Aaron Jones and Leonard Fournette because, hey, I can I can wait and get those guys. Why, if I had to, I would draft Aaron Jones ahead of him. Yep, those guys, I, I have him behind those guys right now. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I guess I've got him at uh, at RB fifteen then. Yep. I have him right. That's actually I I haven't put him. Obviously, you know, Melvin Gordon is at eleven. Aaron Jones at twelve. Leonard Fournette at thirteen. Mixon there, and then Damian Williams. If 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 he was healthy, I might put him ahead of Joe Mixon. Uh, but he's not. He's already dealing with a hamstring issue. He comes with risks. So yeah, Mixon. Yeah, good call. All right. So I'll mention one more name on each side of this. I'll say one lower and one higher. Uh, the one I'm lower on is uh Mark Ingram. I mean, I'm not like extremely low on him. He's as, I have him down as the RB26. Uh, the ECR on him is RB21. So I'm five spots lower. Oh, really? I, yeah, I just feel like he is someone that I think he's going to be fine for what he is, but at the same time, he's going to lose goal line touches to Lamar Jackson. Like Mark Ingram over the years has relied on a lot of touchdowns. Like that's what he's been really good at. And if you have a mobile quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who's going to be running the ball, you know, 10 to 15 times per game, that's taking away from Ingram. And if Ingram's not getting much work, in the passing game because of Justice Hill, we're just slowly like losing upside with Mark Ingram. I think he's fine as a flex play. I don't think that you want to rely on him as your RB2. Um, and then a guy that I'm higher on that... Hold on a second. I want to say something about Mark Ingram really quick. So, you know, I agree with Mark Ingram. I was surprised his ADP or ECR, whatever it was, was at 21 because... He was great because he was on the Saints. We're talking about Latavius Murray being good because he's on the Saints. Why doesn't it go the reverse here? This is someone who's been propped up by the offense. He's now 30 years old. They've got a guy, you know, Gus Edwards, who ran the ball just perfectly fine last year. They drafted Justice Hill. I don't really see it here. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he loses his job here. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough for them to lose the job. Like, he wasn't paid, like, a buku amount of bucks, but it was it was decent money to come there. So I think he is the starter. I just think that, you know, I think his upside is maybe, like, six or seven touchdowns, maybe eight. That's upside, I'm talking. I think it's more likely scenario of, like, five or six touchdowns for the year. I've got him RB27, so I'm even lower than you are on him. Yeah, one spot lower. But on the other side, it's like, you know, I'm going to bring up a name that I, we haven't talked about much in the show, and I don't know why, because... When everybody talks about Daryl Henderson, everybody talks about Damian Harris, you know, and we're, we're, we're those guys. We talk about them as high, you know, high, high upside handcuffs. Mike Davis, why is he being, he's the number 61 running back in ECR right now. Interesting, man. Is he not one of the most valuable backup? So if something, let's pretend. We don't, is he the backup? Like, I, I know they drafted Montgomery to be the starter, but a lot of times we see these rookie running backs drafted, yep. and then they don't insert them into the lineup until week five. Like, th- think about last year. We thought Rashad Penny was going to start. We thought uh, Ronald Jones was going to start. And these things happen all the time, so it wouldn't surprise me at all. Mike Davis is starting week one for the Chicago Bears, and they're good offense. Did Mike? That's the thing. Did Mike Davis last year beat out a first-round pick for that second job? Yes, he did. He beat out Rashad Penny. So, I mean, I think David Montgomery is is the starter, but it's, there's, a, there's a slight chance that Mike Davis does get more touches than Montgomery to start the year. But even if he doesn't, let's pretend something happens to Montgomery. He's out for an extended period of time. Mike Davis is a locked-in top 20 running back every single week. He's a better version of Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard last year was the number 20 back running back in PPR formats at that. Like, in PPR, he was number 20. And Jordan Howard doesn't catch passes. Mike Davis. Mike Davis is really good at catching passes. He's solid in that role, man. And uh, granted, they're not going to take things away from Tariq Cohen, but he can be involved more than Jordan Howard was. He would be a legitimate start as an RB1 or an RB2 every single week. So Mike Davis, I have him up at 45 right now. He could, It could be argued that he should be even higher than that as a handcuff. 
Yeah, that's higher than I've got him. I'm, I'm higher than ECR on him by quite a bit as well, just because I, you know, I'm, I'm worried about these rookie running backs as usual. When they get the job, they always end up being great, but who knows when it's going to be. So I'm just a little bit more, uh, more cautious with those guys. Now, here's my third one. And this is someone that I'm higher on than ECR and especially ADP. I've got him at RB22, ECR, RB32, ADP, RB37 tags. I know who this is. Yeah, I know you do. You remember in 2017 when Alvin Kamara finished number three among running backs. Mark Ingram finished number six. Well, Mark Ingram's average draft position was 46th overall last year, even despite a four-game suspension. Then he and Kamara proceeded to score 33.0 fantasy points per game combined last year after 32.7 in 2017. So they were actually better. The point in saying all this is that Murray is replacing Ingram in the same role. It's one of the most useful roles in fantasy football, and he may be a better version. He's been the best goal line back in football over the last three years. He's being drafted 50 spots higher than Ingram was last year, even despite Ingram having a four-game suspension. That doesn't seem smart to me, man. I've got Latavius Murray, as I mentioned, as my RB22, and I just can't understand why he's being drafted at RB37. This is a gimme. Yeah, that's nuts. I I don't know why he's fallen that far. I mean, he was even more valuable than that with the Vikings last year. Now he's going to the Saints. You know, we've, we've seen that it's a timeshare. They... And if you think that Alvin Kamara is all of a sudden going to walk into a bigger role, he's not. I mean, if you even if you go back to the weeks that uh, Mark Ingram was out at the beginning of last year, those first four games, uh, Alvin Kamara didn't get many more carries. Like they didn't, they don't want to like burn him out. They think that he's best suited for the role he's in, and that's why Latavius Murray was signed on like the second day of free agency. They know it's a very valuable role to their team. Uh, they do want to run the ball an awful lot. Latavius Murray's fantastic. I have him at RB twenty nine. I mean, I could understand too low tags. I, and the thing is, I you're probably <laughs> right. I think that he's a guy that could finish top 24 and I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me at all it's just a matter of do you take guys that you feel like maybe have more upside than he does you know because if nothing happens to Kamara if Alvin Kamara goes down Latavius Murray is a top 10 fantasy running back 100% like if, if there was no Alvin Kamara there and Latavius Murray was there as a starter right now we would be drafting him as a I would say he'd be a top eight running back in my rankings yeah first rounder last four years RB 10 RB 13 RB20, and then last year with the Vikings, you mentioned Dalvin Cook was there. RB32, this is obviously a better scenario and a better offense. I think that it's a lock he finishes better than RB32 as long as he stays healthy. I dig it, man. All right, let's move on over to the wide receiver position. And I've got a player we haven't talked about much at all. I'm going to let you go first, though. We'll tease it a little bit. All right, all right. So the player I'm lower on here that, I mean, it's 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 really difficult because it's like we can go in a lot of different tiers here. I could say I'm low on Emmanuel Sanders. Like, I'm 28 spots lower <laughs> on him than the consensus. <laughs> I, I basically, I don't draft Emmanuel Sanders. It's not going to happen. Yeah, me, me too. Uh, but one player that, you know, I keep talking to people about, and I'm trying to find someone to talk me into it because, like, there, there's a lot of smart people that I respect that are telling me that this guy's actually going to be good this year. I, I can't find a reason to draft him, though, and that's D.D. Westbrook. D. Yeah, I, was, I knew you were going to say him, man. Yeah, as the, as the wide receiver 39 in rankings, you know, he's being drafted inside the top 40 wide receivers. I have him as the wide receiver 51. I understand, like, saying that he has the most valuable role on the Jaguars passing game, but really how valuable is that role? I mean, he did last year, too, and what did he do? Right, that's that's my point, is, like, what's the best-case scenario with D.D. Westbrook? Wide receiver 30. Because Nick Foles has not been better than Blake Bortles. A lot of people forget that. He might be better in, in NFL, but in fantasy and producing fantasy wide receivers, Nick Foles is actually a little bit worse because he's really good with tight ends and not so good with wide receivers, and their stats have been essentially the same. 
like I said, I'm waiting for someone to explain to me that the true upside with D.D. Westbrook. And if you say that top 30 is a ceiling, that's fine. I mean, I there are guys that every year kind of get in there. Like Kenny Stills a couple of years ago was a top 30 receiver, and it, it, you didn't want to really own him in fantasy. Uh, D.D. Westbrook is someone that – would it shock me if he finishes a top 40 receiver? No, but does that mean that I want to play him in fantasy football? No. I, You're I, drafting him at his ceiling. And that's the difference between me and projections, guys. Because, like, I can do projections and tell you, yeah, this guy's here, but – Basically, when you look at my rankings, understand that my rankings are how I would draft the team. So, like, like if I have, you know, D.D. Westbrook there inside the top 40 because I know the projections tell me he's going to be there, I think it's doing you guys a disservice as readers or followers or, you know, listeners by 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 putting him that high in the rankings because I wouldn't draft him as a top 40 wide receiver. I have him as the wide receiver 51 right now. He's going ahead of Geronimo Allison, man. Stupid. That's stupid. Yeah, that is bizarre. That's so crazy. Yep. So, Tags, you went with the, with the guy you're lower on. I'm going to get to mine here in a moment, but first I want to talk about uh, the guy that I'm higher on than ECR, and this is someone we haven't talked about much. I've recently been moving him up my rankings the more and more I look at it. I was one of the highest experts on Brandon Cooks last year, too. I've got him at wide receiver 11 this year. ECR has him at wide receiver 16. He was drafted in the fifth round last year behind Chris Hogan, Josh Gordon, Marquise Goodwin, despite finishing wide receiver 12, wide receiver 8, wide receiver 7 the previous three seasons. Then Cooks proceeded to finish top 12 again last year, despite just 117 targets and a low touchdown rate. He's been in the league forever, but guys, he's still just 25 years old. And then there's the fact that Cooper Cup tore his ACL tags. I know what you're going to say. You don't worry about ACLs at this point, but let's take a look at the key fantasy players who tore their ACL in 2017. Allen Robinson, he was wide receiver 41 last year. He missed more time than expected. Dalvin Cook, he wasn't quite ready. RB 31 last year. Cameron Meredith isn't even on a roster anymore. (laughs) Carson Wentz, QB 23. He missed more time than expected. I'm not buying these stories that Cup is more explosive than before. Neither am I even confident he's going to be on the field week one because we all thought the same thing about Allen Robinson, Dalvin Cook, Carson Wentz, and it didn't happen. And even if Cup was ready for week one, I'd still bet on Cooks being a top 12 wide receiver for the fifth straight year. Yeah, I'm probably with you on this one. I like Brandon Cooks a lot. I mean, he, it was his first time, uh, first season with the team last year. Like obviously it was a, a new offense to learn, whereas Cup and Robert Woods and Gurley, they had been part of the offense, even the tight ends. Uh, so he was learning a new system and, you know, it's only going to help chemistry with Goff, you know, getting that, the downfield throws, uh, in sync with each other. Brandon Cooks, yeah, I I have him as the wide receiver 14. I feel like he's one of the best wide receiver twos that you can have in fantasy, whether it be best ball or redraft. Brandon Cooks is a fantastic receiver, and he's proven it time and time again. Like, it's not because of the offense. No, it's because he's a really freaking good player that plays on a really good offense. Like, he's done it with the Saints. He's done it with the Patriots. And now he's doing it with the Rams. Granted, he's had some really good quarterbacks throwing him the ball. But he's consistently, consistently a top 15 receiver. So I really don't understand the fact that ECR has him outside the top. 15 right now. All right, Tags, I'm going to jump right into it. I know it's your turn, but I'm going to give the guy I'm lower on just because it's the same kind of idea about these ACLs. Uh, Will Fuller right now, I've got him at wide receiver 48. ECR has him at wide receiver 34. And let's remember, he tore his ACL just nine months ago, Tags, and I don't know if he's going to be ready for week one. I don't know if he's going to be ready for week four. Now, they say he's going to be, but he's on the pup right now. And let's not forget, he was the third option for this Texans team last year. Um, Fuller saw a target on 12% of his snaps. Hopkins saw a target on 14.9% of his snaps. That's really, really high. Kiki QT 
on 16.8% of his snaps. If you think that QT is suddenly going to start getting, I mean, sure, Hopkins is the number one. There's no doubt about that. But if you think that Fuller is suddenly going to start getting a ton more targets than QT, I think that you're wrong, guys. That's the type of wide receiver QT is. And Fuller's more of this, you know, stretch the field receiver like Deshaun Jackson. He's going to have big games here and there. He's going to score some touchdowns when he's healthy. But I don't think he's healthy yet. And let's not forget, Deshaun Watson only threw 505 passes last year. I don't think you want his wide receiver three who also has injury concerns. I, yeah, Will Fuller to me is a wild card. And I'm okay with taking him as a wide receiver three if you... If you have stability on your roster, like you have guys that you could trust and let's say you get Will Fuller as your wide receiver four and you have someone like Allen Robinson or Alshon Jeffrey as your wide receiver three. Yeah, I'll take Fuller hands down because I feel like the upside there, like in terms of like in a game that's a projected shootout, Will Fuller is going to be fantastic because Will Fuller, he can't get double covered. He can't. You you just can't leave DeAndre Hopkins one on one. He'll beat anybody in the league. Um, He's proven that time and time again. So. I like Fuller more than you do. I've never been a big Will Fuller guy. Like some people say you could draft him as a wide receiver too. I'm not that guy. I have him as the, I'm actually right in line with ECR. I have him at wide receiver 34. Um, I'm a little lower on QT than you though. I, I feel like he's the number three in terms of like fantasy production because Fuller's targets are just worth so much more than the, than the dink and dunk that he does with uh, Kiki QT. And I mean, QT, he wasn't, if, if they both played 16 games. And Will Fuller was ready to go week one. I, th- I think I'd agree. I think Will Fuller will finish his more fantasy points, but I'm not confident he will be ready to go. That's fair. It's fair. It's a fair question. And I, I mean, hopefully we'll get that, that question answered soon. So who are you higher on than ECR tags? Uh, there's, there's quite a few players that I'm, I'm higher on than ECR. I mean, do you want me to give you the boring one? Because like, if you're looking for like boring production that you could just rely on more often than people think, it's Mohamed Sanu. I have Mohamed Sanu. It was wide receiver 52. Um, the ECR on him is 65. I want to believe, I want to say that's what it is. And I was looking through this the other day and like, it, it continually blows my mind about Mohamed Sanu is that, if you go back to like like last year, he was a wide receiver three or better. I think he was top thirty-two in the league. Where it's like he was better than D.D. Westbrook. He was better than uh, Robbie Anderson by far. He was wide receiver thirty, wide receiver thirty-two the year before. Yeah, and the thing is, it wasn't like based on one big performance either. Like based on the boom bust and everything in between charts on him, he continually does this every year. But people don't want him because he lacks upside, and that's fine. Like, but when you're down in this range, it's like. Like, D.D. Westbrook, is he going to have spike weeks? Probably. I mean, but Mohamed Sanu is actually giving you, like, value in terms of, like, if you have someone that's hurt and you need to put someone in your lineup and depend on them, he, he you can depend on them for wide receiver three type production more often than you can. And if something happened to Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley, Mohamed Sanu all of a sudden gains even more value. I just feel like he's stupid undervalued in terms of how how people look at him. He's not sexy. He's not at all. But he plays for an awesome offense, and he's shown time and time again that he's He's more consistent than people think. He's boring, man, but I'll tell you what, he is as good of a wide receiver five as you're going to find somebody that you can rely on with those bye weeks whenever you get injuries and you just plug him in, and it's fine. Um, you know, let me ask you this, Tags. You don't love Matt Ryan this year. I've got him as my QB3 because he's been in a QB1 over the last three years combined. You, you've got Julio Jones as uh, a top four wide receiver. You've got Calvin Ridley as a wide receiver too. You've got Muhammad Sanu as what would you say? Wide receiver 45 or something like that? Uh, 52. So why don't you believe in Matt Ryan this year? 
I do believe in Matt Ryan. I just don't. I, I don't know if the, the passing attempts are going to be as high as they were last year. Like I think that'll eat into Austin Hooper's production. I think Calvin Ridley is going to take a slight step back in terms of efficiency. Muhammad Sanu like didn't score as many touchdowns as he typically would have last year. It's all about like getting that built-in like potential upside. Sean Corner and I talked about this a lot on, on our show that we did last week in talking about like when 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 debating like a player in the later rounds. It's like talk about guys that maybe could produce like that's fine but you're looking for guys that if there's an injury on the roster above them like what's their upside like a Traquan Smith has massive upside a Mohamed Sanu massive upside you know Geronimo Allison these guys have big upside because they play with elite quarterbacks that always produce fantasy receivers so Mohamed Sanu again like Bobby I don't know if you know last year Mohamed Sanu finishes the wide receiver two better 31 percent of the time Larry Fitzgerald 25 percent Mohamed Sanu, 44% of the time he was a wide receiver three or better. Um, that was the same as Fitzgerald. It was the same as Chris Godwin. It was the same as Calvin Ridley. But people don't want to draft Mohamed Sanu. Again, half the time he's a wide receiver three or better. And if you go back to 2017, it was even better. But again, he's just he's one of those guys that's just continually undervalued in fantasy football. All right, we've each got one more wide receiver, and then we're going to go tight ends and quarterbacks. We'll move a little bit quicker with those since those positions aren't as important. And then at the end of the show, as I mentioned, we'll do fantasy fill-in-the-blank, which will kind of be a, a sort of lightning round fun type of thing. Uh, first, though, I want to tell you guys, I, I mentioned best ball earlier in the show, and I want to tell you about the best place to play. If you're a fantasy football fan, listen up. If you want to join the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever, if you love fantasy football, and we know you do, then you need to enter the $3.5 million best ball championship on draft. Of course you want to do this. That's right. $3.5 million in real money. It is freaking huge. Here's how best ball works. It's season long, but with no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. You don't even have to set your lineup. Your best players get automatically started and you'll get your best score every week, guaranteed. No salary caps. You play in a real live snake draft, just like the ones you play with your friends in a season long league. There's no better place to play play and you can draft a team anytime you want in fact leaks start every couple minutes you can join one right now just do a draft and you could be a millionaire 16 weeks later it really doesn't get any easier than that join me on draft today download the app anytime just search draft in the app or play store and join a game in minutes or play right from your computer on draft.com whatever you want right now all new players get a free entry into a best ball draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use the promo code FANTASYPROS, all one word. That's right. Play a real money game for free just by using the promo code FANTASYPROS on your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com and come play free with promo code FANTASYPROS. All right, Tag, so here's my last wide receiver, and you know what's coming. I haven't talked about him in a while, so uh, I want to catch everybody up who hasn't been listening all offseason. It's David Moore. He's my wide receiver, 54. ECR's moved up quite a bit. It's now ECR 69. His ADP, though, tags wide receiver 89. Undrafted even in deep leagues. Now, you remember, I've talked about this. Everyone thinks Tyler Lockett's going to be the wide receiver one and lead this team in targets. When Doug Baldwin was hurt last year, it wasn't Tyler Lockett who led the team in targets. It was Brandon Marshall, guys. Lockett is a gadget receiver. That's all, that's all he is. He's, he's good for that, but that's who he is. He saw 70 targets last year and prior to last year's historically high touchdown rate had just nine touchdowns in 47 games. 35.5% of the team's target share was vacated. And here's an important stat. Okay. We all know Seattle was last in pass attempts last year. And over the last decade, teams that were last increased their pass attempts by an average of 4.5 the next season. So that leaves essentially 175 targets up for grabs. Some are going to go to Penny, of course. 
because Davis is gone. Some are going to go to Metcalf, but more was the wide receiver 64 last year, despite only playing 38% of Seattle snaps. That number should double this year, maybe even more as he's running with the first team, and Carroll apparently loves him. His tape looks great to me, and I think he leads Russell Wilson's team in targets this year. I, um, this one is one I'm a little worried about because they're starting to give DK Metcalf some runs with the first team to see how he responds. And, um, I, it's almost to the point where it's like, considering their draft costs, you can almost take Metcalf and David Moore and just kind of like take whichever one starts for him because one of them is going to have tremendous value. Uh, but it, once Metcalf passes David Moore, I don't think that Moore is coming back. I don't think that's going to happen. So you think it's going to happen though this year as a rookie? I think it is going to happen at some point. It's just a matter of when. Uh, but if they go into the start of the season and say, David Moore is our starting receiver, then yes, he's absolutely worth drafting and he's going to have some fantasy, uh, viability. Like a stat that I mentioned, um, in my, uh, sleepers article that came out today, I did a sleeper for all 32 teams. David Moore was on the Seahawks and I said, do you know how many games that Tyler Lockett had with more, more than six targets in 2018? One. How many did David Moore have? Two. And let's not pretend that, you know, Doug Baldwin was a massive part of the team last year. Like he was kind of in the background. He wasn't really fantasy relevant for many weeks. Didn't see a whole lot of targets. So I happen to believe that Tyler Lockett is a little bit overvalued. Um, but one of those other receivers is going to produce value and they're going to be a much better value than Tyler Lockett is in drafts right now. Yeah, you're right about that. I would argue with you though about Doug Baldwin. I mean, he did lead this team in targets last year. I mean, it wasn't like he was like a, a target hog where he was seeing double digit targets or anything like that. Where it, You're right. I mean, he, he led the team in targets while missing five games, though. I Like I said, there's 175 targets up for grabs. That's quite a few. Um, but at the same time, I mean, David Moore, I don't I just don't know. I do believe that Pete Carroll has his guys and I think that he's going to stand by his guys. But I also think that he wants DK Metcalf to actually be one of those guys. We'll see. We'll definitely see there. Uh, who's your last wide receiver tags? All right. I will just mention mention one that I'm lower on, and that's Robbie Anderson. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about him and like, you know, he's being drafted as a top 30 wide receiver. His ECR is number 29. I just don't want to associate myself with bad football teams. And uh, the Jets are not a good football team. They just uh, news broke as we're recording this show that Ryan Khalil came out of retirement to come play center for them. That's not a good thing, Jets fans. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's really not. And now you're adding another... Another change in the offensive line. Sam Darnold was inconsistent last year. I know he was a rookie, but let's not pretend that Adam Gase is the quarterback whisperer and he makes everybody that much better. He's not. Without Peyton Manning, he hasn't been a good coach. Um, you know, they did add Jamison Crowder. They did add Le'Veon Bell. Quincy Anunua has been in the offense. He has he has rapport with Sam Darnold as well. Yes, Robbie Anderson finished the season on a high note. He did the same thing in 2017, If, if unless, unless people forget that. But yeah, Robbie Anderson, wide receiver three or better last year. 28.6% of the time. That is not Ooh. good. Not good at all. <laughs> all right. So as I mentioned, we're going to go a little faster with the quarterbacks. And I've got a trivia question for you, Tags. So Kansas City led the league in passing touchdowns. Indianapolis was second. Who was third? The Falcons? It was Tampa. Tampa also led the league in passing yards with over 5,000. And now Jameis Winston's the guaranteed starter every single week. I've got him QB6. ADP has him 14. So you, everyone's got Mike Evans, top 10. Chris Godwin, top 20. OG Howard, tight end four. And Jameis Winston runs the ball more than Russell Wilson. I don't get what's to like. I know he's not very good in real life. Um, but in fantasy, stats are all that matter, and he's going to pile up. The guy I'm low on is Russell Wilson. I've got him QB14. ECR has him QB9, so kind of the reverse with Jameis Winston and Russell Wilson. 
Russell Wilson was just QB9 last year, despite having one of the highest touchdown rates of all time. He doesn't run the ball anymore either. He just had 67 carries last year, which was just a little bit higher than Aaron Rodgers, who had a broken leg. And then finally, uh, this is my QB2 special, somebody that I like only in QB2 leagues, and I'll, I'll use him as a streamer here and there. It's Kirk Cousins. I've got him at QB11. ECR has him at QB18, ADP at 21. Guys, Big Ben sucked last year. But he had a great fantasy season because he threw the ball so much. Cousins was only one of only four quarterbacks who threw the ball 600 times. Plus, he's the best wide receiver due in football. Now that Antonio Brown's in Oakland. And going into last year, he was a top eight fantasy quarterback three straight seasons. He wasn't bad last year either. He finished QB 11, which is where I have him. If his touchdown rate spikes, as it's bound to happen with any quarterback if they play long enough, he could be a top three quarterback. I love his upside. Absolutely. No, I mean, there's, I, I love the Winston call, you know, math, it never fails. So, <laughs> uh, we've talked about that on the show. It's like, if all those guys are being drafted high, you, you got to take the guy that's delivering the football to them. And that's Jameis Winston. Otherwise, you need to lower those guys down your boards if you really lost all faith in Jameis Winston. Uh, love that one. Uh, guy I'm higher on, obviously Mitch Trubisky. I've talked about it a lot. He was the number 11 quarterback last year in his first year in the offense under Matt Nagy. It was the first year with every single one of his pass catchers, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller. Two of those guys were playing through injuries. Trey Burton, he also suffered an injury late in the year. Trubisky hurt his shoulder late in the year, but he was still the number 11 quarterback in points per game. There's so much to love here. Did you? It's the Tyrod Taylor cheat code, except he can pass too. He uh, <laughs> absolutely he can. And did you guys know that despite throwing 52 fewer passes than Baker Mayfield. Mitch Trubisky outscored Baker Mayfield by 23 fantasy points in 2018. Yes. That's a good stat, baby. Yeah. Odell Beckham is going to increase that. I get it. Baker's going to grow. I get it. Trubisky's also going to grow. But And I'm not saying you take Trubisky over Baker. I'm saying that he has upside that is, is right up there in the top five. Yeah, I like it, man. All right, who are you lower on? The guy I'm lower on is Carson Wentz. You know, he's someone that I've mentioned before. Is like, you know, when I'm trying to figure out who's going to take that next step and or who's the most like obvious choice to get in there, like Jared Goff, we've seen it multiple times. Carson Wentz, we've seen it one time where he was an elite performer, and I don't want to take that away from him, but he is coming off, you know, another injury. He was gone. This offense, you know, and not just a stress fracture in his back. That's an injury that reoccurs sometimes. It's really concerning. I have back injuries in my past. So Carson Wentz, I think he does have top 10 upside. We've obviously seen that. Sure. But I don't think he's got MVP upside. I just don't think he's one of the safer ones because he's not going to be running the football at all. So you're essentially going to be relying on his passing totals. And can you say that he's going to be like a much better passer than someone like Philip Rivers? I can't. No, no, I can't either. And I'm surprised you said Carson Wentz. I thought you were going to say Big Ben. I've got Carson Wentz down at QB 18. I've been getting shredded for it on Twitter. Um, and it's not that there's much of a difference, like I said, between QB 8 and QB 21. But where do you, where do you have Wentz? I have him down as uh, QB 16. I, I know that some people are going to scoff when they hear that. But I, I just I can't put him over some of the other guys that I feel like have much higher floors than he does. Yeah, it's just the safety for me. You know, if I, if I knew he was healthy going into week one, uh, I'd probably have him in my top 12. His ADP right now is QB9 the, over Cam Newton, over uh, Jameis Winston. That's just wild to me. Yeah, it's nuts. All right, and the tight end, um, I, I'm not especially excited about any of these, so I'll just mention them briefly. Jimmy Graham, I've got at tight end 11, face ECR t- uh, 19. Tags, you can probably explain that one a little bit better than me. We're both excited about this. 
Yeah, Jimmy Graham, I mean, he finished the tight end 14 last year, and, and he caught two touchdowns. I mean, that it doesn't take much to finish as a top 15 tight end, and Jimmy Graham has, has more touchdown upside than any tight end you're going to find outside the top seven or eight picks. Like, seriously. So if Aaron Rodgers goes from 25 touchdowns to 40, where do you think a lot of those touchdowns are going to go? Jimmy Graham's second year in the offense. There's a lot to like there. It's just all about— th- and, and you said last year that Aaron Rodgers does not throw to first-year players in his offense. That's Yeah, that's how it always goes. It's like Rodgers is a very trust-based quarterback. And that's why I like Geronimo Allison so much. Jimmy Graham was the player that I definitely was going to mention on my side too. But the one I'm lower on is Jared Cook. He's uh he's being ranked as the number seven tight end. I mean, guys, we've seen him play with Aaron Rodgers. I, I know that he had a, a big year last year, but... Yeah, because G- G- Jordy Nelson was their wide receiver one. Like, of course he had a big year. Now going to play with Drew Brees in the Saints offense, like Alvin Kamara. It doesn't pass much, and they've got Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm not buying the Jared Cook hype. I have him, I have him at number 10. Um, He's not the worst thing because again you're looking for touchdown upside and he you know he arguably has that even though I think last year was the first year of his career where he scored more than five touchdowns so he's not really a touchdown scoring machine I don't have faith in Jared Cook I would rather take someone like Vance McDonald I'm low on Eric Ebron too I wasn't going to mention him but since you mentioned uh Jared Cook I think that's a good one I'm really low though and on tags I know you're with me on TJ Hawkinson his ADP right now is tight end 11 tags. I've got him tight end 25. I know he's talented. I know he's got a good future. Tight ends don't produce unless they have to produce because Roger Lewis is the team's wide receiver one, which is what happened when Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard and Brandon Marshall got hurt in Evan Ingram's rookie year. He was the only tight end to ever produce as a rookie. Uh, and uh, TJ Hawkinson, I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I have him at tight end 19. Uh, the consensus has him at 23. So yeah, I think everybody's just much lower than the public on TJ Hawkinson. So yeah, I think we could all say it's, I, I would take someone like Tyler Eifert over him, to be honest. And then my final tight end is a bit of a flyer. This is a guy, if you're desperate, you just take a, a flyer here. And if it works out, awesome. If not, you drop him and you stream like everybody else at tight end. It's Jack Doyle, who played more snaps, even when he came back from injury, than Eric Ebron, who everyone thought was a starter. Twice as many snaps, in fact, and almost twice as many targets. I think Jack Doyle is going to be the starter in Indianapolis. Eric Ebron's still going to be involved. He might have more fantasy points. But I think Jack Doyle, with Andrew Luck throwing the ball, he loves his tight ends. He's got top five tight end upside. Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, like Jack Doyle is someone that we're seeing him fly up draft boards recently. His ECR is 14 and his ADP is 22. That, yeah, Jack Doyle is going to start moving up draft boards because people understand that there's, there's a much closer gap between Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle than, you know, currently is in ADP. All right, baby. Fantasy fill in the blank. Hey, by the way, if you guys didn't know, we're on Instagram now and we're really trying to get going there. We have the same handles as our Twitter at Mike Teglier NFL at Bobby Fantasy Pro. And you can check out our Fantasy Pro site. Uh, Chris does a really great job over there. The graphics are fantastic. Instagram.com slash fantasy pro. So check it out. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. Um, so here's the first one. This is, they're all on Twitter. This one's from Nick Dizzle 17. So tags fill in the blank. The late round, 12th or later quarterback I'm most comfortable drafting is... Mitch Trubisky. Uh, for me, I already mentioned Kirk Cousins. If Dak Prescott falls, I'd love him just because I'm streaming t- quarterbacks in a lot of leagues, and he's got three great matchups, as I mentioned last show, to start the season. Giants, Washington, Miami in the first three weeks. Um, so here's the next one. This is from AK Shea, 68. Blank is my favorite late round upside dart throw. Who do you have, Tags? Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller's a good one. I, I don't love his upside. Um, I think 
at the very best, he's like what we're expecting Chris Godwin to be. For me, it's almost always going to be a running back. It could be Dallas Goddard. Like if Zach Ertz gets hurt, he could be a league winner for sure. But for me, I'm going to go, this is someone I'm taking at the last round in so many drafts. Someone I think could be a starter in one of the best five offenses in the league. It's Bruce Anderson. I mentioned this in the sleeper show. He is the Bruce Arians mold of running backs, and he's not especially exciting, but Bruce Arians doesn't need an especially exciting running back in his own running scheme. This is the guy he picked. He could have picked any, he could have gone out and signed someone. He could have drafted someone in the earlier rounds. He waited and got Bruce Anderson. I think there's a chance, maybe a 30% chance that he starts over Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. And if he does, it's just like Alfred Morris, Philip Lindsay last year. Everyone's going to, no one's going to draft him and he's going to be the starter and just blow up. I, I think it could happen. How great would it be if Bruce Arians trolled us all and uh, Andre Ellington was actually the running back to own in Tampa? It wouldn't surprise me at all. And I know, I know that you're kind of messing around here, but like, it's Bruce Arians, man. He loves Andre Ellington. He does, and Ellington produced under him. Like, if, if, <laughs> yes, he if did. Ellington's healthy, he's the best pass catcher out of the backfield. So, I mean, it's yeah. it's possible. I'm, that's it's possible. You know what? I'm going to go back to the first question here. Same question for tight ends. Late round tight end, you're comfortable drafting. Jimmy Graham, that would be the one. Like, I'm get, I have him in so many best ball leagues because it's like he he costs you nothing. Like, legitimately, he's going right now. His average draft position is the 159th player. That's stupid. He's going to be touchdown or bust, but you know what? After the first six tight ends, they're all touchdown or bust, and Jimmy Graham has a higher likelihood of touchdowns each week, so that's my guy. Yep. You don't draft tight ends for a yardage floor because that doesn't exist outside the top-tier you know, top tier tight ends. All right. Everyone wants to know the answer to this one, Tags. This is Nick Liu, 133-363 on Twitter. Uh, Melvin Gordon will miss blank games this season. Zero. I think so, too. I think zero. Do you, now, he's demanding a trade as of today. Do you think that happens or do you think they sign him? Well, he said that he basically, it's either they extend him or he wants to be traded to begin with. So now that he's demanding a trade, it doesn't surprise me because it sounds like they might be apart in contract talks. Well, I think this is just the next step in saying, hey, I'm really serious about this contract thing. It's not working, so you better trade me and then they'll come to agreement. I think he still signs with the Chargers. But if he doesn't, where does he go? I think it's Houston. I mean, you, you would think it would definitely be a team that was primed to have a chance to make a run in a Super Bowl. And are the Texans at that point? I mean, yeah, I guess. I, I mean, they have, they have a solid defense. They're getting older. The secondary is... I think Lamar Miller is good, though. I don't think Melvin Gordon... Melvin Gordon's better than Lamar Miller, but I don't think he's that big of an upgrade that you would sign him, pay him $15 million... And then you just waste Lamar Miller. I agree with you on that. And that's why it's hard to say them. It's it's really tough. I don't see anybody trading for a running back nowadays because, like, you're not going to get the value that you want. Unless somebody gets hurt. And somebody's going to get hurt. Um, So it may come to that. It may just wind up being one of these random teams. Like, let's say uh, Leonard Fournette gets hurt. Like it happened last year and they traded for Carlos Hyde. Maybe, maybe the Jags would say, well, we need a running back. It's not going to be Alfred Blue. So let's trade for Melvin Gordon. Um, but I think the answer is zero. And the same, same with Zeke. I think the answer is zero just because how many times has a running back actually held out like Le'Veon Bell did once? And it failed miserably. Do you really think Melvin Gordon's going to do that to himself? Yeah, it's, it's tough to say, say that he would. Like he's not in a win-win position and uh, apparently like, so he can like, miss the first four games or something. I can't, I don't get into all the contract stuff because it is what it is. If Melvin Gordon's not signed by like the third preseason game, that's when I'm going to be like, okay, it's time. This is like the panic button. The same thing for Zeke. I think both of them wind up getting into camp. I'm not worried about them missing time in camp. I'm still taking Melvin Gordon seventh overall in my drafts, man. I know he's fallen into the second round a lot, but um, after David Johnson, I've got Todd Gurley sixth overall, Melvin Gordon seventh. Then I'll start taking my wide receivers where I've got Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins. I wouldn't go that high just because it's like you can definitely take advantage of the discount right now. Uh, but if you get him in the mid, 
mid middle of the second round. That's crazy value. It's just tough because I mean, you're saying you expect zero games missed. You're taking 16 games. Expect like if I were put if I were putting odds on it. So the thing is, is like if there were odds on it and the fact that he he misses zero games, I would say so. What 65 percent chance he doesn't miss any games? Correct. That's that's a that's right around where I would say. I think it's a 65 to 70 percent chance. But there's still that 30 to 35 percent chance that he actually does, and then it it really screws you. That's fair. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Okay, so next question. At Draper underscore Carter, Patrick Mahomes should be taken in round blank. Five. Five. Ooh, man. Okay, I was going to say four. Now, he's going to go in round two in a lot of your drafts. Some drafts round three. Um, super flex leagues, he might be the first player off the board. I'd probably take him number five behind the big four, depending on what happens with Zeke. It, that's in a super flex league. <laughs> you hear me out. But I would, if he fell to the mid fourth round, I think I'd pull the trigger. Uh, it depends on who is the board at that point, because I think I do have him inside my top 48 players, but often, you know, players will fall uh, further than they should. But yeah, it, it's it's around that range. I think it's fair to say late fourth, early fifth. Like, would you take him over Philip Lindsay, Kenny Galladay, Robert Woods? Not over Woods, not even close. I'd take Woods over him. Um, I would take Josh Jacobs over him. I'd take James White over him. You would. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I want to do that. And you can get James White a lot later. So you won't be having any Patrick Mahomes. Maybe I will in like an expert league here or there, but you know, you could also wait two rounds and get Aaron Rodgers. And I don't think there's a big of a drop off. So that's probably what I'd prefer to do. If Mahomes is dropping, you know, Rodgers is going to drop too. At UML Riverhawk 555, Kyler Murray will finish with blank rushing yards. <sighs> Vegas is pretty good at this stuff. Um, Man, uh, I'm going to say 520. What does Vegas have, Matt? Like 450. It's really low. And like, honestly, like I kind of want to say lower. Like basically when you hear that, you're like, oh, over. Are they projecting like 12 games or something? That's basically what it comes down to. I don't know if, I don't know if it's gone up, but this was like, literally, this was probably a month ago when that line came out, but still we always, we always knew he was going to start. I think it's just more them projecting him missing time and trying to get people to bet the over. Which is possible, obviously, but uh, I, I would I would definitely take the over on that. I'm gonna say 520. He's starting week one, man. I'm I'm going 820 rushing yards, and if he plays a full 16 games, doesn't get hurt, I think it's gonna be over a thousand. I think he's the best rushing quarterback we've ever seen in the no. NFL. I think he's better than Lamar Jackson, no. better than Michael Vick. No, I would put money on that. And y- rushing yards per game, I'll put my Lamar Jackson versus your Kyler Murray. Okay, bring it on, baby. All right, we got to figure out more terms. Lamar Jackson's not running the ball 20 times again this year. They only did that because he didn't know all the passing plays and they needed to win games and Joe Flacco wasn't going to do it. This year, he runs the ball 12 times a game. All right, it's a bet. We just have to figure out the terms to it. All right, we will uh, figure something out. Mm-hmm. All right, at GoodWrench underscore 12. This is someone I was high on earlier in the year, but uh, not quite as much with the injury stuff. So I think it's an important question here. Chris Carson will finish as the RB blank. There's a lot of ways to look at this. Like, where would we draft him? Right. Or what's the most likely scenario? He's really undervalued right now. Really undervalued. I'll say RB15. Yeah, I think the most likely scenario is RB11 or 12. It's, it's, it's possible he finishes top eight. It's very possible. I think it's most likely he plays the whole season, but there's so much risk baked in that I can't take him over Devonta Freeman. I can't take him over um, Marlon Mack, who we know is going to start and be a workhorse. He won't catch the ball. I can't take him over Joe Mixon, Damian Williams, but I think it's more than likely he will finish over those guys. But it's also more likely than those guys that he finishes outside the top 30 running backs because maybe Rashad Penny is the hot hand. Maybe he steals the job. He's really good. That doesn't take anything away from Chris Carson, but maybe Rashad Penny's just a superstar. 
Yep, and it's, it's possible, but even Mike Davis leaving, or maybe Chris Carson's knee really is hurt bad enough that he's going to play six games. No, he's already practicing. I think I'm like, I'm over the knee concerns. The fact that he's practicing with the first team, like I'm totally fine with Chris Carson now. Um, but Rashad Penny, like we have to remember this: Mike Davis leaving, it clears out ten touches per game. That's that's not a small amount. So even if Rashad Penny takes on those ten touches per game, Chris Carson is still a monster when he's in the lineup. So yeah, I I like Chris Carson. That's a good call, man. Um, you know, Chris Carson last year, what was he ranked? He was RB14 and he only played 14 games, man. Mm-hmm. And he was so good at the end of the season, too. Uh, I don't know. I might be coming back on to Chris Carson here. Um, okay. At Garrett Cohen, 14. And then we've got one more after this one. Marquez Valdez Scantling will finish as wide receiver blank in PPR. Wide receiver 38. That's about where I've got him in my rankings. And I think that's about where he'll finish. And it's not that. Uh, I don't love Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I just like Geronimo Allison more. And I think Geronimo Allison will more than likely finish in the top 20. Um, I'm not drafting him there because there's a, probably a 40% chance Marquez Valdez-Scantling is better than him. And if that's the case, Valdez-Scantling will be in the top 20. But I think Valdez-Scantling is probably the wide receiver three here. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel about it from a fantasy perspective. But Aaron Rodgers can deliver three top 40 wide receivers. Yep, yep, I think so as well. All right, final one here. This is my favorite question. I saved it for last. At Golden Gate underscore FF says, blank will be on the highest percentage of playoff rosters by the end of the season. Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara just because of his safety or what? No, the upside that he presents. Um, like in, there, there is some safety with him, uh, but there's also tremendous upside to where if he does get slightly more touches, his efficiency, it's kind of like a Tyreek Hill effect where it's like, these guys are are a different breed. They're they're the outliers, right? Like you can continually suggest that they're going to regress in touchdowns, but they don't. And there's certain players that are just special. He's one of them. Okay, so tags. My answer is really gonna surprise you and everybody else listening at home. But first, let me set it up, okay? If I told you there was a guy going in the a running back going in the fifth or sixth round, and he had a sixty five percent chance at finishing as a top eight running back. It would be easy. This would be a lock, right? He'd be the guy that's on the most playoff rosters, right? Yeah, yeah, probably. Okay, so here's Aaron Rodgers in his healthy seasons. I mentioned this last episode in VBD. Overall, not as quarterbacks, 11, 4, 17, 11, 9, 12, 4. Every single season he's been healthy, he's performed as a top 17 fantasy player in terms of value over the replacement level player. And uh, you're getting him in the fifth or sixth round. What are the chances he stays healthy for a full season? 65%? Yeah. I mean, I would say it might be even better than that. Yeah. And I think if you have a healthy Aaron Rodgers, you've got a top 12 fantasy player. And the only reason we're not drafting there is because we don't know. He has been hurt a couple times in the past four seasons. So uh, I think Aaron Rodgers will be on the most fantasy playoff teams this year. I like it. I like it. It's a good one. If, if we look at the last few years, though, every single year, it's uh, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, uh, James Conner. It's one of these guys that, uh, you know, the starting running back gets hurt. So it will probably be one of those guys. But the highest likelihood I have is Aaron Rodgers because – who are we to predict who the injured guy is going to be? Like, if it's Leonard Fournette, okay, maybe Reichwell Armstead's the most. If it's Sony Michelle, maybe it's Damian Harris. It could be any number of these high upside backup running backs, and it, it will probably be one of them, but who it's going to be, I'm not sure. That's the difficult part, is like trying to find that guy, and it's like, I could say Aaron Jones, because I feel like, you know, when we talk about players that could potentially be a top 10 pick next year that aren't being drafted there, those are the guys that I would tend to look at. I just looked at the most likely of scenarios, and I think that that's uh, Alvin Kamara. 
Yeah. You remember in 2017 when uh, Todd Gurley was coming off his bad year and everyone was drafting him in the early third round? He was the guy that year, right? Because he was the number one fantasy back by a ton. And I think that could be Aaron Jones this year. Not that I think he could be the number one fantasy back by a ton, but he could be the number one fantasy back. And if he is the starting running back and they don't split the workload, I think he's a top five fantasy running back. So that's a good call too. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. That's all for today's show. Tags. I like the show, man. It was a lot of fun. Happy August. Everyone on our team says this is hell month. Dude, this is Christmas month for me. I love it. Yeah, this is the funnest month. Like you got all your fantasy drafts. You have the hype building for football. Uh, so football is back in our lives and it's, it's, it's a good time, man. All right. I'm going to remind you all of everything we have going on. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram at Instagram.com slash fantasy pros, uh, Instagram.com slash Mike Teglier NFL and Instagram.com slash Bobby fantasy pro. Again, tags in there on Twitter at Mike Teglier NFL and at Bobby fantasy pro. And make sure to check out pristineauction.com and what they have for you. Use that registration code so you can get $5 off by entering the promo code fantasy pros, all one word. And don't forget our George Kittle signed 49ers helmet giveaway at fantasypros.com slash contest. Check out our rankings at fantasypros.com slash rankings and our draft simulation software at fantasypros.com slash simulator. And make sure to play best ball on the best best ball app on the planet by searching draft in the app store or go to draft.com and come play for free with promo code fantasypros on one word. From Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.